0: Kicking off this 157th episode of Monster Kid Radio with the song A Boogaroo. It's from the band The Concussions. It's on their album Magic Fingers. You can find them over at theconcussions.com. It appears on this podcast with their permission. Welcome to the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your host, writer-producer Derek M. Cook. I'm excited because we've got an old favorite back here on the show. Well, technically, we have two old favorites here on the show. Today, we've got Dr. Green. That's old favorite number one. Old favorite number two, he's going to be talking about Vincent Price. He has just completed the first portion, well, let's call it the first season, of his YouTube series, The Fantastic Films of Vincent Price. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Kind of a decompress, debrief, that sort of thing. And we got to keep it in the holiday spirit. Vincent Price narrated, or at least hosted a television production of A Christmas Carol. So we're going to talk briefly about that as well. But for the most part, we're just talking about Vincent Price, what this journey, this project has meant to Larry. Dr. Gangrene, it's going to be a lot of fun. Before we get to that, let me tell you about our website, monsterkidradio.net is where you can find everything you need to know about the podcast between episodes. We've got links to our Facebook group, our Patreon page, where you can become a patron of the show and help support the podcast like Justin Giallo does. You can also find a link to our Live 365 internet radio station. You can listen to all kinds of music and sounds from classic movies from the 30s to the 60s with a few outliers. It's a lot of fun. I hope you dig it. You can also find our contact information, our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com, and our voicemail line is 503-479-5657, 503-479-5MKR. A quick programming note before we get into the meat of this episode. Originally, this episode was going to be the Holiday Gift Guide, however, you know, we're going to change it up a little bit. The Holiday Gift Guide episode will be in two days, on Thursday, December 11th, and no I didn't intentionally mean for the Gift Guide episode to be released on my birthday. That's not me trying to drop any hints or anything like that. Well, and neither is this. So you know what? I'm just going to shut up now, and we're going to get to Dr. Gain Green, Larry Underwood, the man behind the fantastic films of Vincent Price, right after this. My chair.
1: She will not die because she willed not to die.
0: Lygia, the tale of terror Edgar Allan Poe thought his greatest, the masterfully macabre performance of Vincent Price, together bring to life the undead. To hunt the living.
1: What is the strange infatuation that draws a lady
0: to the Stygian stranger who lives with his terrifying black cat Uh in a castle of dark, somber mystery? Seeing you and...
1: and seeing her. But when you thought I was my dear,
0: you tried to attack me.
1: You must trust me. Give over your will to mine, no harm will come to you, give over your will to mine.
0: The strangest love story ever told, making her life a nightmare of heart-stopping horror such as few humans have ever survived.
1: Christopher, what insanity are you up to today?
0: Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies.
1: What? (laughs) People are always telling me that's illegal.
0: Uh Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, rescue
1: from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org.
0: Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available.
1: Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there's a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher,
0: there is. We do one.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something from archive.org and review and discuss it.
0: <laughs> that sure is nice of us. Sure. Why don't you click over to orphan-entertainment.janja.net and remind yourself a little more about the
1: show. we <laughs> Will do. So let's see. That's orphan-entertainment.j-o-n-j-a.net. Hey, can we review the Gilligan's Allen movie sometime?
0: Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see. I'm William Castle, and I feel obligated to warn you about the next attraction you will see at this theater. The picture is the tingler, which I directed. And for the first time in motion picture history, members of the audience, including you, will actually play a part in the picture. You will feel some of the physical reactions, the shocking sensations experienced by the actors on the screen. I guarantee that the tingler has more shocks per minute than my last film, The House on Haunted Hill. But don't be alarmed, you can protect yourself. When you see the picture, you will be told and remember the instruction how you can guard yourself from attack by the Tingler. And now may I show you a few scenes from the Tingler? book club selection, Dragonwick, know the powerful emotional impact of its many exciting moments. For as the ladies' home journal so daringly promised when it first published Dragonwick, this is a story to thrill the hearts of those who loved Rebecca. Starring Jean Tierney as the woman who seeks love where it is feared to flourish, this unusual, impassioned romantic drama now comes to the screen with its fascinating plot and its magnetic characters brought vividly to life by a splendid cast including Walter Houston, Vincent Price, Glenn Langan, Anne Revere, Spring Byington, and other outstanding artists. And you like peaches out of season, and the feel of silk sheets against your young body. One day you will wish with all your heart you'd never come to Dragonwake.
1: You knew it the instant our eyes first met, and everything within us met, and you know it now.
0: You have no right to say that, to talk like this, please. You can't help yourself any more than I. Am I right? Miranda, you understand what I'm getting at, don't you? Yes, I think I do. I'd like to think that you might, in time, marry me, Miranda. Jeff, I... I suppose you're going to say it's a man. What man I'd like to know. She's given false bite to every mother's son in the county. Perhaps the right one just hasn't come along yet. No, she won't find him with her nose stuck in the air, wanting what she can't get. A woman ought to get a man first and then want him. Nicholas, let me help. I don't need to be helped. Help me then. Please don't shut me out like this. Let me be unhappy with you and happy again. Let me be part of you. Let me love you and love me too. I'd like to welcome back to Monster Kid Radio my favorite doctor, Dr. Gangrene, Larry Underwood, my friend. How's it going, sir? Hey, buddy. Doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, and I'm excited because we're talking Vincent Price. Again, you can never talk about Price too much, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, I think the first time I came on here to talk about Price,
1: you were like, we need more Price on the show. Oh, yeah. we we'll definitely make that happen.
0: So. Certainly, certainly. Well, and you've been doing it. You've been doing the fantastic films of Vincent Price now. When did that launch? I think it's been about six months now. Yeah. And I've just gotten through the
1: 1940s, so I'm kind of calling it We'll call it the first season of the Vincent Price. There we go. I I don't know. What is this? Is this, I guess it's sort of an audio or or sort of, it's not really a podcast,
0: but I guess it's a video series. So I guess it's season one of my YouTube series. And you're going through and you're tracking each and every Vincent Price film, even if he's in it just for a second or not in it. In the case of Abbott and Cassella meet Frankenstein, you're talking about every one of these movies and it's impressive, my friend. Well, thank you. I've always wanted to go back
1: and watch all of his films. And so once I kind of my, my schedule freed up as far as my TV show, my Dr. Game Green horror host show ended, that kind of freed me up to pursue this. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to go through all these films and, and watch them all, it would be fun to kind of do a little video series on it. And YouTube kind of made me think differently about how to approach something like that, because YouTube really lends itself to shorter shorter segments, I think. The things that work best to me aren't the longer 30-minute, hour-long, two-hour programs. It's the really the shorter, under five-minute or under 10-minute, five-minute, even shorter than that, really. But that stuff, to me, is what works best on, on YouTube. And I thought, well, what if I did like a little four-, five-, six-minute kind of review, overview, critique of each, really more my thoughts than a critique, but it's a little critiquing, too. Of each of the films, it would be fun, I thought, to kind of go through this series, watch each of the films, do a program on each of them, and, and people can kind of go through them with me. You know, there's been a lot of books written where people have gone through Price's filmography, but nobody's really done it in a video format, and doing it this way kind of allows people to actually see clips from the movies and see you know what price is wearing and what his accent is like that he's doing in oh the, the
0: accents <laughs> yeah the accents that's oh, right, right. <laughs> i think you're right i mean the internet lends itself i mean so it's, it's the world of the short attention span so youtube i agree with you i think it works best in short five to ten minute blocks and i'm exactly. looking at the master page the playlist for the Fantastic film of Vincent Price. The longest video you have is just under 11 minutes. So it's short, sweet. You get in there, you get out. You tell us about the movie. And I've learned a lot just watching these short little videos. I mean, it's been a fun journey for me as a viewer. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, and I think that 11-minute was probably... It was the House of Seven Gables episode. And that
1: was kind of an important film in his filmography, I thought. That's kind of the first of the gothic stories that he would kind of really in my mind be associated with if i just close my eyes and think about Vincent price films what really comes to my mind is is the first and foremost the roger corman movies sure and, oh yeah you know those gothic old dark houses and and that kind of movies well this is really the precursor to the to the corman stuff this this kind of in tone feels a lot like it it's really it really for all intent and purposes is the first film this one and shock those two films are the ones where price got his first leading man really chance to to be the leading the guy in the movie you know other than his first film um his very first film service deluxe he is the leading man in that movie
0: it's a quirky comedy it's so weird i mean to see that and i can't imagine audiences seeing that for the first time and then trying to think about where price would go from there. Cause his career is not the quirky romantic comedy guy. No, he, he went on to do all this other stuff. And I just, to see that beginning with service deluxe, it's just such a weird journey for me to, but
1: that's, what's fun about it is, is, that you see that studios intended for him to be the handsome leading man at first universal signed him to a contract and his very first film out of the gate was service deluxe and they cast him in the romantic lead They wanted him to be, you know, one of these suave men because he's a good looking guy, you know. So they thought, hey, we'll bring him in. And it it was okay. It didn't it wasn't bad. It's not a bad movie. It's just when they finally hit on him as as the villain, it just something took it. It was just another level. You know, it just clicked. It's like, that's it. And it took studios a while to figure that out. But once they did,
0: you know, it was full steam ahead on Price as the villain. I mean, it's clear, though, from the beginning, he was a leading man type, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. He just looks good on camera. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in House of Seven Gables, you know, he's still a good guy in this movie.
1: Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't until later with Shock and then Dragonwick, Wick, this the one mm-hmm. really right after that, where he those two movies right there are the ones where they finally kind of clued in. It's like, hey, Price really works well as a villain. But in those universal, those early universal films, they were trying to figure out what to do with him. So they cast him in the quirky romantic comedy first off, and then they put him in all these kind of character roles in different movies. And he was okay in them, but it it wasn't, like I said, until later that
0: Price really took off as the the star. It's clear to me that they they knew they had something, at least with his voice, because of his role in The Invisible Man Returns. I mean, it's nothing but his voice for the most part. And then again, they... Tapped that voice for the Abbott and Costello film, but yeah, when he goes villainous, Shock. I mean, longtime listeners will know that when we first did our like top three favorite Vincent Price movies, I put Shock on my list because I, I love that film and I love what he does in that. He's so dastardly in that movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's so good. And I tell you what's thinking about you, his time at Universal because he was there for thirty nine and forty, and then I guess by, so he was only there a couple of years, but. He left Universal and then signed a, a contract with 20th Century Fox. To me, it's interesting to think if he had stayed with Universal, I really do think it, it's a possibility we could have had Vincent Price in a movie like Son of Frankenstein in the Basil Rathbone. Wow. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility at all to think that Price could have played that role. No, that would.
0: Wow. That's pretty mind-blowing to think about, actually. That That would be pretty spectacular. To see Price in a Frankenstein flick like that, that would – wow.
1: And I love Rathbun. I think he's fantastic. Oh, yeah, he's great, but – It's interesting to think what
0: it could have been like with someone like Price, too. What it could have been – yeah, wow. That's fascinating to me. So we're kind of hypothesizing or theorizing what would have happened. I mean, you've gone through these movies. A lot of these movies were first-time viewings for you, right? They were, and that's
1: fun for me, is watching them for the first time and then just kind of writing down my thoughts about them and sharing them. Some of the ones like Green Hell, I'd never actually watched a Green Hell before, the James Well picture that with you, that he did with Universal. Really not that great of a
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs> and Price dies pretty quick in it. That's uh, the film that uh, Victoria Price shows a clip from whenever she's doing a presentation about how even if it's a bad movie, it's still Vincent Price and how fun it is. So, yeah. Yeah it's a rough one
1: <laughs> it's, well it's but it's nowhere near the worst movie that he made it's you know it's not that it's terrible and it's not that it's it's just kind of there it's kind of bland I mean it, you can't decide what it wants to be it's sort of this jungle action adventure it's kind of a romance it's kind of got a little bit of almost a horror feel to it when they go down underground in this one section and they find some skeletons and you know this kind of weird... Idol thing that the natives worship, and that segment right there is really kind of cool. But then it kind of really just bogs down with this love triangle, and they're holed up in this kind of this shack in the middle of the jungle. And then they get attacked by natives, and it just kind of just starts dragging on and on. And you're just like, oh, geez, come on, end this thing already. <laughs> <laughs> by the time it's over, it starts out good, but I think they all knew they were making something really silly
0: the title is a little bit more exciting than the film itself it's just kind of there like you said i think that's the best way to put it it just kind of drags james well is one of those guys
1: he started out with with universal really strong but those i think he just sort of definitely was every film kind of just i mean after bride of frankenstein it just kind of i don't know he's just it's kind of like he lost steam or i don't know if he it's interesting to, to look at his career i don't know what happened you know but those later films weren't it just seemed like
0: they didn't have the the zest
1: that the uh, for for it the
0: gusto i don't know well in james whale's career i mean it's he wasn't going to come back to do bright of frankenstein unless universal promised him certain things and his his career is so it makes me wonder what the relationship was between him and the studios and what really happened there and what he was allowed to do versus what they just gave him to do and Maybe we should do yeah. an episode on James Whale at some point, I, I guess. you know, let's, <laughs> There's a lot of people know more about him than me. Yeah, yeah sure. me too. <laughs> but back to Vincent Price now, though. I mean, we, before we started recording, I called you the resident Vincent Price expert. You've learned a lot about Price's career, the early part of his career through doing this. What are some of the standout things that you've learned since launching this YouTube series? Just really looking at his time in the
1: 40s is what a formative career it was, how he started out. Really in theater, started in in England. He joined the theater, and really, just like with his film career, his theatrical career just sort of skyrocketed. I mean, the guy was just a talented guy, and he was cast in these plays. Like the second, I believe it was the second role he he got cast in was in Victoria Regina as the the leading man. That play that came over to America uh, ran on Broadway. So I mean, it's just like right out of the gates, the man is performing on Broadway. Caught the attention of Hollywood. He moves to California. He gets picked up by Universal Studios. I mean, this guy just had a fantastic career. And then he had the whole time at 20th Century Fox, which I'll be honest with you. Some of my least favorite films that he did were that Fox period. There was just some really some character roles that he did in there that I just, you know, there was some good stuff. Song of Bernadette is a great movie. But then some of the things like Wilson and think a royal scandal where he played little character roles and ridiculous accents that he really couldn't pull off that well. He, he kept trying different foreign accents in, in these movies in the 40s and just really didn't pull them off very well. You, know,
0: you mentioned that in the series, and then you show maybe a, a really brief clip. Vincent Price's voice is so distinct. <laughs> Even at this point in his career, it's this unique voice. Why saddle that with an accent that... It just doesn't make any sense to me because the accents, I love Vincent Price. He's charismatic. He's fun to watch. But when he's trying to do like a French accent, it's tough. Yeah, it's painful. He does a French. He
1: does a German accent. He struggled with a Southern accent at first, but by the end of the 40s, he had it down. In Laura, he pulls it off pretty well. And in The Eve of St. Mark, he's really hamming up a Southern accent in that one. But by the end of of the 40s, he's got it down
0: pretty well. So he's able to to do a Southern accent pretty well. I mean, that's no disrespect to Vincent Price. I mean, I I don't want people to think that we're, you know, we're we're harshing on him or anything, but yeah, the accents, man, let let the voice go because the voice is so distinct. That's definitely his strong
1: suit is his voice. I mean, that's one of the things that's best about Price. So, but there were some good ones. He, uh, I know during the 40s, his um, personal life was kind of up and down. He got married. And then divorced and then married again during the 40s. And he had his first child in the 40s also. So he there was a lot going on in his life. You know, his son, Barrett, was born in the, the
0: 1940s. And he, and he was pretty prolific. I mean, there's some years where there's like two or three movies. In 1948, there were four films released that he was involved with. Granted, one of them was the and Costello film. But, I mean, he was just cranking them out. I suppose if you're a contract player, you just kind of do what you're told when you show up to work that day. But
1: Not only that, but he had all his radio appearances. He was The man was really prolific doing radio appearances. And then right at the end of the 40s, right early, like 49, 50, he started his TV career. And as he moves into the next decade, he is super busy. He is going to do more TV work than he does feature film work in the 50s. That is really what makes him... Uh, cements him as a fan favorite, and in addition to all this stuff that he's doing, he's doing his feature films. He's still doing Broadway plays from time to time, and his off time, he's doing his feature film work, radio work. In addition to all that, he's also doing all this work on the side. He ran he he ran his own art studio at one time. He's collecting art. He's becoming known as an expert. So he had boundless in energy for sure, and was. Definitely pursuing his every creative outlet that he possibly could.
0: Renaissance Man, is that something oh, you yeah. could call him and for get sure. away
1: with? <laughs> Became a, known as a as a gourmet
0: chef later also. That's right. Cookbooks and yeah, kind of did it all. Have you ever looked at his cookbooks? Have you tried cooking one of his meals?
1: I haven't. I'll oh. pick those
0: up. Those are, are on my want list. Uh-oh. <laughs> Can we get a special episode of Dr. Gangreen <laughs> Green preparing a Vincent Price meal and then pairing it with one of his movies or something like that?
1: Oh, that would be fun.
0: <laughs> new, new YouTube series. There you go. There you go. Spin spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. So right now in the series, we're at the end of the 40s, and you're taking a little break for the holidays. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I am. Um, we're
1: at the end of the 1940s, and I'm going to take a break, sort of catch my breath. I've got a, a few other projects i need to get out of the way and finish up and then i'm gonna get back to it and and the 1950s really is where the good stuff starts in my opinion it's it's right out of the gate one of my favorite of his non-horror films the baron of arizona is the mm. first film from 1950 and from there champagne for caesar and i mean he's going to get into stuff like the fly and house on haunted hill there's also wax
0: man house of wax
1: house solid. of wax So, I mean, his 50s career, he he didn't make as many films, but, man, he made some great ones.
0: Now He looks like he was pretty busy. I'm looking at the Internet Movie Database right now, and he did a lot of television, which I find fascinating because, you know, film people didn't want to do a bunch of TV. TV was stealing the jobs from film, you know, but he embraced it. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, and really, 1950, that's when TV took off that year. If you look at when TV was being made, I mean, and they were – all kinds of talk shows and and game shows and made for TV dramas, tons of stuff being done. And I think he just embraced it. He was building his brand. He was becoming a fan favorite. I mean, by the end of the fifties, he's a household name. That this is what all of that it was very smart of him to do it because it all really uh, cemented his uh, career. By by doing all this TV work and becoming the beloved icon that he was, that sort of is the difference between him and Bella Lugosi, who wasn't as I don't know I don't think he was ever that fan friendly. You know I don't think he was as beloved in the general public as as Price was. That's not to belittle
0: Bella. I'll say, be careful, man. I'm on Team Bella over here, so you know. Love me some Lugosi, but You know what I'm saying? I mean, I that, do. I do
1: price was was just endeared to the public.
0: Now, I think that's a good way to put it that he was building his brand just and it wasn't just the horror stuff. It wasn't just the dark stuff. I mean sure he did an episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents but you know he's also doing you know Lux Video Theater, doing who knows what. You know, and he's just doing all these great pieces. I'm looking at the filmography One is standing out to me right now. I've never seen this, but if Vincent Price really plays a character called the devil in the movie The Story of Mankind, I've got to see that.
1: Yeah, he does. He does. And then in addition to all that, he's got all this radio stuff. He's still, I mean, he's doing tons and tons of radio work. People are hearing him
0: and seeing him constantly in the 50s. It's that voice, man. Put him on the radio, I'd listen. Oh yeah, yeah, I have listened. I've gone back and listened to a lot of the old time radio, and you and I are both old time radio fans, especially the old TV se- or the old uh, horror series, like Sus- suspense and all that stuff. And I mean, Vincent Price didn't he do a series called The Price of Fear? It doesn't surprise me at all. I was just listening to an interview with him a couple of
1: days ago, and he was. This was in the 1970s, early 1970s, and he came on this guy's TV show. I mean, this guy's radio show, and the guy wanted to talk about Price's film career. And Price said, you know, we could talk about all that stuff, and that's fine, but what I really want to talk about is radio. And the guy was like, oh, really? He's like, yes, because I love radio, and it was such a, an influential tool in, in building my career, and I l- really learned my craft on radio in the 30s and 40s. And so he wanted to talk with this guy about radio, which was pretty fun. I'm trying to imagine Vincent Price
0: as a podcaster.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's some parallels between podcasting and, yep. and those old-time radio shows. Really, the, the main difference, I think, is the delivery method. Internet, which is worldwide, versus broadcasting, which is within your viewership. So, really, you got some advantages with podcasting, right? I mean, everybody can hear you.
0: For better yeah. or worse, but yes.
1: <laughs> there needs to be more radio dramas done nowadays. That's what we need. need some people need to bring that
0: back. Yeah, it's an art form that doesn't get used or, or practiced very often. There are a lot of original audio dramas on podcasts. I mean, there's a handful of them out there, and and they're good, but you're right. It's not something that you can tune in on the radio dial anymore and listen to a dramatic presentation of this or that. So, and I did not watch the
1: live TV performance of Peter Pan the other night. I know that they did a, a live TV show, which yeah. is interesting because both –
0: Price and Carloff at one point played Captain Hook. A- I, I saw you trying to start an argument on the uh, on Facebook, you know, comparing Carloff to Price's uh, Hook.
1: I wasn't starting an argument. Oh, I just, don't
0: know, man. I-, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was just trying. Well, if people wanted to argue about it, I, I always just thought it was interesting to compare and contrast. They both did it. it. And it's like, hey, here's a side by side look at, at each of these guys and their makeup. I just found it interesting to. To look at each of them, and I can imagine what each of them would bring to the performance. And, I, man, I would go see either of those guys in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I I could see that. But I hear Christopher Walken did it the other day, and I'm not hearing too good of reviews on, on what he brought to the
0: role. Yeah, I don't think either Price or Karloff would have forgot his lines the way Walken appeared to. Oh, did he? Oh. That's what the word is. I, I've seen clips and during some of the musical numbers, he he's lip syncing along to the songs, and it looks like he's kind of messing up a little bit. He just it just looks awkward.
1: Well, you know, live TV, man, and that's yeah. that's the that's you gotta appreciate all that early television for that very very reason because man, they were doing this stuff just right there. You you've got to nail it. You've got to know it. You've got to nail it, and you'll hear even like with old uh Dark Shadows episodes. You'll see people stumble lines and get things wrong from time to time.
0: That's part of the charm though. You know, I was it watching is. an episode of Dark Shadows and especially with the little kid. They were shooting that five days a week and you know whatever. I, I I get it. You know, it's hard to do. But he would screw up the lines, but they would just try to play it off and just keep going and that's what you do. It's live TV. It's
1: live TV. You gotta appreciate it and, and embrace it, you know? And you'll see that on on things from time to time. But there's a little bit of television, early television stuff on YouTube. There's some, uh, with Price in it, there's some uh, game shows and different things. If you look around, it's kind of interesting. It looks like he's having a, really enjoying himself, having a good time. Can we use this as a segue to talk about The Christmas Carol? Absolutely. There you go. Uh, One of his earliest TV appearances was in 1950, he, um, or 49, I believe he did, Mm -hmm. Uh, he hosted A Christmas Carol, which was uh, made for TV short film version of the classic Christmas Carol, and Price was the narrator. So he's sitting in a chair, and he's got a book, and he's kind of reading from
0: it, and it's pretty cool little performance. When I first heard that he was in a presentation of the Christmas Carol, I assumed he was going to play like Scrooge or be one of the ghosts. No, he's Vincent Price reading from the book to the audience. So he's not in it from the beginning to end, but he does open and close the piece. He does, and it is public domain, so if you want
1: to play a clip on your show... <laughs> to begin with Jacob Marley was dead did Scrooge know that he was dead of course he did Ebenezer Scrooge and he had been partners for I don't know how many years Scrooge never painted out Marley's name and so there it stood seven years afterwards above the warehouse door Ebenezer Scrooge oh but he was a tight fisted old sinner Hard and sharp as flint. The cold within him froze his features because he always carried his own low temperature with him. And he didn't thaw one degree, not even at Christmas.
0: It is. It's right. available on YouTube and archive.org. It's A lot of the early, early television is in the public domain because studios just didn't know that there'd be an interest in it later. But yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, I'd let Vincent Price read me The Christmas Carol, I'd listen to the whole thing.
1: Yeah, sure. I think it's pretty good, and I actually played this on, I hosted this and played it on the air. My time slot at the time was longer than this, so I kind of filled it out. I showed A Christmas Carol, and then I also, there is a Three Stooges short that's in the public domain where the boys are dressed as Santa so I showed that Three Stooges along with
0: <laughs> Vincent Price and the Three Stooges. Hey man, that's a winning combo right there. That's a that's that's a weird combo.
1: That's... <laughs> and I uh, like cut up some Christmas uh, cartoons and put snippets of that in there too. Between it,
0: that's cool though. Yeah. Now, the, uh, the Christmas Carol, the 1949 piece, it's only 25 minutes long. So, I mean, it's really short. You get in and you get out. The performances are okay. It's not very Price-heavy, but Price makes it watchable just because he's reading excerpts from the book. and It's a, it's a fun little short film. Yeah, there are better versions of The Christmas Carol out there. but
1: Yeah, I don't know that I would have watched it if, if Price weren't in it. But, right. you know, since he mm-hmm. is, uh, I checked it out and... I'd I like it. It's got this wholesome feel to it, you know, and, and very Christmassy. It's, it's ran on NBC
0: December 25th, 1949. It's very Christmassy because it spends like the first three or four minutes with a Christmas song. The opening credits are dreadfully long. And I'm watching this thing and I'm thinking, you've only got 25 minutes. Why spend seven of it on opening and ending credits? Come on, get in and do your thing. But uh, and the rumor is that this was uh, Jill St. John's first acting performance. Oh, wow. That's the rumor. I don't know if it's confirmed. Hmm. Cool. But yeah, Vincent Price doesn't interact with any of them or anything like that. I mean, it's, again, he's in a very distinct set, like in a living room setup, doing the Christmas Carol reading. And then we keep going to these other sets for the rest of the story. And whenever a scene ends, they go to Vincent Price so that, you know, the actors can reposition on another set or maybe redress the set to make it for the next scene. Just the very fact that he's. Hosting this, it's just, it just just shows you
1: that how how he was becoming this favorite amongst viewers already at this point because people knew who he was and he had been in so many movies in the 1940s. I mean, there was a period there were at one point there were three films in the theaters at the same week that were released that had Price in them. I mean, the man was all over the place.
0: Would it be so. fair to call him a horror host since he hosted this particular Christmas Carol? I don't know. Maybe. It's
1: a host. I don't think it's very horror ish. Well, he
0: really does play up the fact that they're all ghosts, though. Every time he says the yeah. word ghost or vision or spec, you know, anything creepy, he really <laughs> does kind of nail it. It's like, oh, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. spooky, you know. And there, I thought there were kind of some spooky moments in it. I do like how uh, Earl Lee plays Marley's ghost and he walks through the door. I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. You know, for 1949 television, he's passing through uh, a closed door as a ghost, and I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, that's good yeah. stuff. But, yeah, no, I (laughs) –
1: trying to give Vincent Price a – yeah. He appears in a horror host TV show later in the 70s, though, on the uh, Frightenstein TV show, the Canadian thing.
0: Oh, that's right. And then there was that public access – not public access, but there was that local access show where he introduced a couple of things. And that was mentioned on the Vincent Price Blu-ray collection.
1: Oh, yes, yes. Right, right, right. Yeah, he he says the intros
0: on that. Yeah, but yeah, Frightenstein, yeah, of course. Yeah, he dabbled in it. Dabbled in a little bit. Try, trying to find a link between you and Vincent Price. you know. Just, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so we're taking a few weeks off, uh, probably through the rest of the year, so you can enjoy the holidays. And then you're going to call it Season 2, dive into the next decade of Price. And what's kind of cool
1: also is as I finish this stuff, I have taken and made a two-hour cut. I took all the episodes from the 40s and put them together, into, and it cut right at two hours of Vincent Price films of the 40s. I'm going to upload that to YouTube and have it there, but I also cut it into four 30-minute segments, and the cable access station here in Nashville wants to run that. I hadn't, had not originally intended to run it on TV, but while I've got the content, I might
0: as well. So there's going to be a lot of Vincent Price on the airwaves in Nashville pretty soon. Well, if you're in the area, watch your local television for the thirty minute episodes and watch the YouTube channel for the two hour version. I'm assuming you're cutting out like the opening credits on each one. Exactly.
1: Opening closed credits on each. And then also kind of there's little bumps and commercials in each. I put a Vincent in each of my episodes. Oh, I love
0: that. It's one of my sometimes that's my favorite part. I love yeah, that yeah. you go
1: find these old classic commercials. They're fun. But you know, that's what kind of will make the individual episodes different from the other compilation episodes is that they have all the extra stuff. They have the opening and close credits and they have the uh, teasers coming up next week. Price will do, you know, we'll find out whatever and and <laughs> give a little tease to the next week's episode. And then right. some little snarky bump, a little clip from the movie. And then the commercial afterwards, uh, some vintage Vincent Price commercial. I
0: remember some of those commercials. The The hangman board game. I remember I had that game. And I remember Vincent Price was on the cover of that board game. I remember that distinctly. That was – whenever I see that, I'm just like, oh, that's so awesome.
1: I have a copy. My friend Jay Sorrells gave it to me. Every time I used to go to Jay's house, Jay lives up just outside Louisville, and and Luke and I go and stay with Jay uh, pretty regularly uh, during the summer. We'll go up and see drive-in movies and stay at Jay's place or go to Wonderfest and we stay with Jay. I would always go, oh, I love that. I love that Vincent Price. So he just gave it to me one day. He goes, hey, take that home with you. I was like, what? He says, yes, th- that needs to go home with you. <laughs> like, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. So I have that. I also have the uh, Vincent Price shrunken head Apple sculpture kit. Have you seen this?
0: Uh, I have. I think you've sent me a picture of it. I'm like, wow, that's so cool.
1: Yeah. That was one of the first things I bought when I discovered eBay years ago. <laughs> when I first got a computer, my my first Macintosh and, Dice and this would probably be like right around 2000, 2001 and found eBay. And one of the first things I purchased was that, which I'm glad because it's gone up now in price. No pun intended. huh? ah, uh, <laughs> <Exactly>. uh. <laughs> uh,
0: That
1: was terrible. Um. <laughs> I mean, what a great fun toy that is shrunken head apple sculpture kit for kids.
0: So it's, it's basically you just take an apple and you shove it into a mold. Is that how that works? Or you don't even do that.
1: You just take, and you are supposed to carve a face into it. So basically (laughs) they just tell you carve a face and then you stick your carved apple inside this little holder, which you place over a lamp and the heat shrinks it. If I remember right, that's the way it works.
0: You, you're telling me you haven't played with it? Well,
1: I've opened it up. I haven't actually used it. <laughs> I made some shrunken heads, but I think I stuck them in the oven on a real low temperature and with my apples, you know, and shrunk them up that way. I think. Trying to that's remember. that's awesome. <laughs>
0: Now I love seeing those commercials, and I remember seeing some of them. A lot of them are things that are either slightly before my time or were not where I was growing up. Some of them are kind of regional, you know, for this, like this art museum or whatever, and yeah, I wouldn't have had a chance to see that, so I get to see that in your series as well. And It's just, you know, I'm learning a lot about Price and my respect for the man, for the range of his work. I mean, the accents aside, it's just amazing in that he was so busy and consistently working and employed and, and employable. Exactly.
1: He was all over the place doing anything and everything, and that shows with the the range of commercials he did. I mean, he would do anything and everything. He did Sun Country Wine Coolers, or
0: uh, you know, <laughs> he's he's talking about milk. He doesn't he's, strike me as a wine cooler kind of guy, but you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, who
0: cares? He's doing cousins uh, some sub
1: sandwich place that he does commercials for, or a real estate company, or I mean. Milk ad for the dairy association. Anybody, he would he would do anything at that point.
0: Is there anything out there, movie wise or TV wise, that just didn't survive? That you know would be like on a holy grail kind of list for you, or, or is most of his stuff out there? There's something on IMDb
1: that is listed that I don't think ever was actually made. But if you look at his IMDb list, and you know how I am, IMDb is. I mean, it's kind of like hit or miss. I mean, some things on there I, I question the validity of but there's something called the Ares computer. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but when you look at it, it's listed as something he made with Stephanie Beecham, and it's supposed to be a science fiction thing about some kind of computer with uh, artificial intelligence or something. It's very vague what it is, but it's listed under his credits. I think what it is is part of a proposed science fiction series that was going to be made, and I don't know that it was ever actually filmed. This ought to probably be taken off of IMDb, because I can't find a copy of it, and nobody that I know has a copy of it. So, if it exists, if somebody out there has any information on it, just let me know, because I'm curious about it.
0: But Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's got Price and Beecham and Andrew Keir. I mean, come on. That just sounds awesome. To see Keir and Price together would be great. But if you look at the comments, it looks like people are saying it wasn't even shot, and Never happened, so it's it's a shame, but that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch it. Yeah. Nineteen seventies sure. Price and a nineteen seventies science fiction film. I know. What is that about? He
1: he definitely would um you know, he definitely did a, a number of things. I mean, later in his career in the eighties and late seventies, there was some stuff in there that he was, you know, like uh the Monster Club. I love the Monster Club. Oh boy. With with amicus. <laughs> I will take you to a place where my friends foregather. There you will find stories of such blood-curdling terror. It will make your toes curl and your hair reach up towards the sky. He likes to take you by surprise. He likes to leave a very special calling card. It was the best blood I have ever tasted. He's giving you a very special invitation.
0: Through,
1: okay. Three stories to shock you, chill you, <laughs> thrill you, and make you laugh. Monster <laughs> There's a face at my window as the darkness
0: closes in.
1: Everybody knows about garlic and steaks through the heart. Yes, we all
0: have our cross to bear. I'm
1: just a sucker, for you're the. I'm just a sucker,
0: for I'm just a sucker, boy, the. Just a sucker
1: You are one of his kind now. You have to be staked by your own men. Songs by B.A. Robertson.
0: Don't you look down on me! Night.
1: The pretty things.
0: The viewers. Tell me, I'm not gonna let you go until you do. We must have our food. But remember, he likes to take you by surprise. You've been invited to the Monster Club. Come at your
1: peril. That is one that I definitely have a soft spot for because it's an anthology film. And it's kind of hokey, but it's so
0: much fun. It's goofy. And the soundtrack is just, I mean, the music, that opening theme song is just so odd. But it is a fun, goofy kind of amicus style. But it is an amicus film, isn't it? It
1: is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Price got to make an amicus, which is cool. Price in the 70s is pretty, I mean, just.
1: There's this film called Bloodbath at the House of Death, which is supposed to be just horrible. I have a copy. I haven't watched it yet. Apparently, Price isn't really in it. They just like shot a bunch of stuff with Price and like uh, worked the movie around it. But it's supposed to be terrible. But man, what a great name! It is another of oh, yeah. those House movies that, that he made. You know, so the mm-hmm. whole string of House of Long Shadows,
0: Blood, Back to the House of Death, House of Wax, House of Honey. You know, there's all these House movies. Sure, sure. Now, when you get to the 70s, are you going to touch on like his appearances on Night Gallery or the Brady Bunch? Oh yeah, for sure. Awesome. I'll talk about the TV stuff. That's things
1: like that now for Hitchcock presents and probably even the love boat and things that were bigger TV
0: things. He did the love boat. Well, I guess everybody did the love boat at one point. So
1: yeah, he was not on fantasy Island, which I find interesting. Oh, he would have been perfect on that. He would have, but for whatever reason, he was, he was not in, in a fantasy Island episode.
0: So I'm on the IMDb listening to you and looking at some of the things that he had done. And there's a 1974 film called, it's not the size that counts. Yes,
1: that's about a man who has a penis transplant. Yeah. It's also known as Percy's Progress. <laughs> yeah, look forward to seeing that one. I, he, I don't, he's not so, the one who has the transplant. Is he? No, no, and I don't imagine he's in it very much, probably. But <laughs> it's an interesting uh, sort of side note to to Price's career. The May for tv movie that's listed right below that, The Snoop Sisters, I want to see that. That's a made-for-TV thing with these, like, Pair of sisters that kind of like do detective stuff or whatever. But oh, cool! I, I want to dig that out uh, up. I know it's on DVD. I want to find a copy of that. And that's one I need to need to grab a copy of.
0: You know, I'm just looking at all these listings here and all these titles. And I mean, I imagine you're going to cover a lot of this. But then I see something like Alice Cooper, The Nightmare, and I know you're going to go into that because you love Alice Cooper. So I can't wait for that episode. I mean, that's many many episodes down the line. I'm sure. Oh, Correct. yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. That, those two guys are my biggest influences. Yeah, I know, man. That's why I, I can't wait to watch it. Just... <laughs> they did a TV thing where the, they kind of dramatized Alice Cooper's Welcome to My Nightmare album that he had just put out. So it's got these dancers doing these crazy, you know, wild flinging dance moves. And, <laughs> and Price comes in in these big flowing robes and sort of does his whole black. Guido monta- uh spoken thing that he does on the on the album. And nice. Really neat. There's another uh, listing on IMDb for Price and Cooper together, which is uh, a concert, which I think they just list. I know, I'm not sure if Price actually appears in that, or they just use his voice, that spoken bit. Oh, so
0: uh, right, that's yeah. This too. Well, that's cool. I'm looking forward to it now. The next batch will be in the 50s, and you, know, you think you might kick that back up in what, January or so? Yeah, probably in January after the... Take
1: a break for the holidays, finish up some of my writing work that I've got going on and projects and get those kind of clear the palette. Take a break, catch my breath from this stuff and finish cutting the cable access versions and getting everything loaded up to YouTube for this series. And then launch headfirst into the next batch. Looking forward to getting to some of the good stuff in the 70s. Right on, man.
0: So what does Dr. Gangreen Green do to celebrate the holidays? A lot of lot of family time with the kids.
1: Pretty yep. traditional. I'm pretty much a traditionalist, so it's just me and the boys here, and uh, everybody. We'll have I'll have everybody over. I'll cook a Christmas dinner and turkey and stuffing and all the stuff, and then we'll go over to my mom's and grandmother's on Christmas Day. And I've already decorated, already hung the lights on the house, and we got our tree up
0: already. So we're definitely in the spirit here. Right on. Well, you and I are pretty good friends, so I'm sure we'll communicate. Before Christmas again. Anyway, we'll communicate again before Christmas. But we'll stay on, in touch. Yeah, we'll stay in touch. But on the show officially from Monster Kid Radio, happy holidays to you and yours, my friend. Thanks, and to, same to you and to all the listeners out there. And one
1: thing I definitely will do is we'll be watching a lot of my favorite horror Christmas crossovers. Uh, we just watched the 72 uh, Tales from the Crypt episode the other day. With oh,
0: the yeah. Awesome
1: santa claus episode in it
0: with um joan collins
1: right yes oh my god she was so hot oh my goodness back <laughs> and she, oh, just kills me every time i watch it i love i love that episode man joan collins was so smoking back then
0: well that's the episode of cushing's of that too right yeah
1: yeah that's man. the one, that's, that's one of my favorite cushing yeah. performances if not my all-time favorite cushing wow.
0: performance it's just so good Well, and we actually went like over half an hour before I got to mention Cushing this (laughs) time. Well, we were talking about price, so maybe that kind of counts. I don't know. That's right. And hey, (laughs) the two of them got to work together a few times. House of Long Shadows. That's right.
1: Madhouse. Madhouse. There's Madhouse. And then there's, was it Scream and Scream again?
0: Are they both in there? Oh, yeah. 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 That's right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you and I have talked a little bit about, I know it's in the 70s, a little outside the MKR wheelhouse, but you and I have talked a little bit about doing Madhouse here on the show, so... We really should talk about that one. I've got like. on my DVR. So. Or,
1: or maybe you should talk about it with, with my friend Roger Cook, because he has a great story about Madhouse. Oh, yeah? He he actually wound up on the set.
0: What? Yeah. You need to, you need to have him tell that story on Monster Kid Radio. It's pretty cool. Well, yeah. I've been meaning to send him an invite to see if he'd like to come on the show anyway. Uh, Roger's an artist. I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he does some amazing artwork. Yeah, he does, and he won a Rondo Award. Yes, he did. He did. I met him briefly at Monster Bash, and uh, you know, he and I are actually in the same club because we both spell our names the same way and pronounce them the correct way. So, you know, it's <laughs> our last names are the same. Uh, no relation, but I wouldn't mind being related because the guy's artwork's great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, definitely touch base with him about that. He has a, a pretty really cool story and said that Price was just so friendly and so gracious to him.
0: Very cool. Well, Larry, thank you for spending some time with us on Monster Kid Radio. Thank you for sharing the gospel of Vincent Price. Thanks for having me back on. It was fun. Fun to talk some Price and and look forward to uh,
1: more Monster Kid Radio in the future. Oh, yeah. Doing all you do to keep all the great Monster Kid memories alive. Big plans next year, so...
0: And, and, awesome, uh, and
1: congratulations on your creature cast.
0: Oh, thanks, man. That's that was a, a long time coming. I, I hope the listeners didn't get tired of waiting for me to finally make that happen. So right. and, and you're gonna contribute a little bit. You've got an interview that we're gonna with Benny. Yeah, with Mr. Ben Chapman himself. So jealous that you got a chance to meet him. That guy was so so
1: nice, so friendly. Last time I remember I remember last time I saw him, he's like, oh, I was just talking about you the other day,
0: you know? It's just Oh such, man. That's a friendly guy, you know. Really, just oh. just great. That's amazing. Yeah, so we've got that coming up. So you'll hear Larry or an interview with uh, that Larry conducted on a future episode of Creature CreatureCast as well. So pretty cool. And we'll definitely have you on quite a bit next year. Big plans. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you later, buddy. Seriously, if you're not watching the fantastic films of the Price there's a reason not to. I mean, Dr. Game green he's a horror host. He's supernatural in front of the camera. He does an amazing job guiding his viewers through the entire filmography of Vincent Price, one of our favorite actors. You know, I know we say that Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, and John Agar are the patron saints of Monster Kid Radio, but you know what? I think Vincent Price could be a substitute if one of them had to call in sick. Just saying. It's a fun series, and I'm looking forward to season two. Big thanks to Larry dr Gangreen for appearing on the show and we've got big plans for 2015 i've already been talking with him since that recording about what we're going to be doing next we've got some william castle goodness we got some amicus goodness and a few other things here and there in the works Now, he mentioned the Creature Cast Among Us spinoff podcast, the monthly Creature from the Black Lagoon podcast that we do here on Monster Kid Radio, a new episode every final Saturday of the month. Episode two is coming up. And yeah, he's got that interview with Ben Chapman. He's going to let us run on the show. I'm going to mix that in with an interview with Julie Adams and a few other things, you know. I haven't really officially opened up for feedback for the creature cast among us. However, somebody did leave us a comment over at monsterkidradio.net. You can leave comments on the various entries. I just haven't responded to that yet because I'm waiting until episode two to do that. So if you're the person who left us a comment, well, I'll get to it. Just hang tight. We'll get there. Another Monster Kid Radio regular, Scott Morris, sent me a link over at TCM.com. Turner Classic Movies, classic being the operative word here, is actually going to be showing the 1959 film Santa Claus, the movie that Scott and I are going to talk about at the end of the month, the week of Christmas. He and I are going to be tackling this K. Gordon Murray classic. Yeah. Well, I mean, TCM says it's classic, so why not? It's playing December 20th. 2 a.m. Eastern. You know, I don't know what that is in other time zones. Math's particularly hard for me these days. So check your local listings. And if you enjoy the movie or have any thoughts or comments on the film, call in or write in and let me know what they are. And Scott and I will address that the week of Christmas here on Monster Kid Radio. I want to thank everybody for listening, liking the Facebook posts, sharing what I put up on Facebook, liking us on Twitter, following us on social media, supporting the show on Patreon, and just flat out being cool. You know, Larry made a comment about how he appreciates what I'm doing in terms of keeping these monster kid memories alive. You know, I appreciate that and I'm humbled by it, but really I do this because it's fun. I'm doing this for me. (laughs) I'm not trying to sound selfish, but I really enjoy these movies and discovering new classics and just falling in love with these things. This is my jam. So I appreciate you guys and gals being along for the ride. Finally, before we get out of here, just a quick shout out about Scott Morris again. Uh, He's one of my dearest friends. He's one of my favorite people to podcast with. And his family's got some stuff going on. He's okay, but you know, just shout out to you, Scott. We got your back, man. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC, is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song a boogaroo that belongs to the concussions it's on their album magic fingers you can find them over at theconcussions.com the song appears on this podcast with their permission go show them some love and i'll talk to you guys and gals in a couple of days for the 2014 monster kid radio holiday gift guide <laughs>